Anybody bring their Bibles tonight? If you brought your Bible, we haven't done this in a while, raise them above your head, make this decoration with me. Say, this is my Bible. It's God's Word to me. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. Tonight I'm a believer. And therefore, I'm a receiver. And I do believe that I will receive absolutely everything that God has for me tonight in Jesus' name and shake it around, give the devil a headache and say, Amen. Amen. First Timothy chapter 6. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The Amplified says, fight the good fight of faith in the conflict with evil. There is... Evil that we are up against. The Bible says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of the darkness of this world. So it is a spiritual fight that we are in, and it is against, it is good versus evil. Not quite like in the movies that you see. But nonetheless, there is a spiritual battle that is going on. And so Paul is telling Timothy to fight this good fight of faith. And I've often heard ministers like Brother Copeland say and Brother Jerry, the good fight is the fight that we win. And the only way that you lose is if you quit. And so let's establish that from the, from the beginning that we can't quit. That we have to endure to the end. He who endures to the end. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? So we're to fight this good fight of faith in conflict with evil. In other words, there is an evil force that is against you in your fight of faith. It says, to which you were also called. I'm here to tell you tonight that you are called. The word called means summoned. Anybody ever had to be summoned to court? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. You're called, you're, you have been summoned by God to do what? To fight the good fight of faith. Because God's got good plans for you. Turn to somebody and say, He's got good plans for you. Plans of good and not of evil. So God's plans are good, but evil doesn't want the good plans of God to come to pass in your life. And so we have to fight for the plans of God to come to fruition in our life. For the plan of God to manifest in our life. We have to fight. We can't give up. We can't quit. We can't hold back. We got to fight. You've been called. 
Maybe your calling isn't to preach behind the pulpit, preaching the gospel in church behind the pulpit, but you've been called. Maybe your calling is to be the best mother that you can be or a business owner or a manager or a supervisor. But you've been called. Maybe your calling is to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. But you've been called. It's in God's plan for your life. And it's up to us to fight the good fight of faith to cause those plans to be received by faith, to come to pass in our life. Can you say amen? Amen. We've been called to battle. The title of the message tonight is Called to Battle, Destined to Win. Called to Battle, Destined to Win. We've been called to fight. We've been called to battle. If you look up the word summon, it means to call upon for a specified action. So you've been called upon to fight. You've been summoned by God to fight. And God does not intend to lose, especially in these last days. In fact, Jesus has already ultimately won the victory for us, having defeated death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says that he made an open show of the enemy. He made a spectacle of them, put them to shame. And so the, the shame that the enemy tries to put on God's people is the very shame that Jesus put on him when he defeated him. And so we don't take that from the devil. It said, had the powers of darkness only known what would happen, they would have never crucified our Jesus. But it was part of the plan for you and I so that we could uh, be redeemed to God, so that we could have fellowship with God, so we could come boldly to the throne of grace, so we could have experience mercy and love and, and, and forgiveness and kindness. It was part of God's plan for you because he called you. He's chosen you. And so we have to fight. A lot of times people don't want to hear that. You don't understand, brother, where I've been. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Maybe there's been some things in your life that haven't gone the way that you planned. Maybe it's because of the evil one whose method of operation is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy every good thing that God wants to do in your life. And so it's important for us to understand that, for us to say, if I can't see you, you can't see me, is not good strategy. We have to know the enemy and know his strategies. I played college basketball. We would sit down before a game. We would watch film on the opponent. In this case, the enemy. And we would seek to understand 
their strategy and their game plan and what they're trying to do. Not to get us out of what we're good at. But to know what they're doing so that you can combat it. There's an offense and there's a defense. And you need both. There's offensive weapons and there's defensive weapons. The shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's a defensive weapon. The sword of the spirit. A two-edged sword is an offensive weapon. So you have to understand and know that our weapons are not carnal. They're They're not fleshly. But they are powerful. To pulling down the strongholds. To defeating forces of darkness that are still alive in this earth, in this realm, earthly realm. It says, take hold of eternal life. That word means aggressively take. It means to seize. Eternal life, people hear eternal life, they think, you know... One sweet day in the by and by when we all get to heaven. On the streets of gold, we'll experience eternal life. No, eternal life begins the moment that you get born again. Eternal life. Boom. You, change, you go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive in Christ. That's eternal life begins. But there's so much to being born again that you can experience besides saying, I'm born again and I'm going to heaven. That's great. Ultimately, that's what you want to go to heaven, not to hell. Right? But there's so much more that you can experience in this earth right now that has to do or that that is in eternal life. Jesus said, the thief comes to what? Steal kill, but I have come that you may what? You can say, have eternal life. And that you may have it more what? The Amplified says, to the full, till it what? So you can experience the, the life that God has for you abundantly above all that you can ask or think, Ephesians tells us. But it's not going to come with you sitting in your lazy boy, spiritually speaking, and going to the mailbox, mailbox and collecting your check. Thank you for your enthusiasm about my message tonight. For more CDs and jump drives by Eric Deaton. Take hold of eternal life, it means to seize. To seize what? The life of God. The promises of God. To aggressively pursue them. Many people fight. Listen. Many people fight for things in this life. Instead of the things of eternal life. I'm already preaching better than you're saying amen. And if they would fight for the things of eternal life, the things of this life would be added. Jesus said it, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Fight for all the promises of God. 
We receive these promises by faith. We must fight the good fight of faith. Just this uh, past week, last week, I was wrapping up my business and I was in a, a client's place and this client was supposed to do one more thing with me that we did together to make money. And Anyway, it's a, it was a coach and he said, that the athletic director says, I can't do your program. I said, oh, why is that? And he told me and I said, oh. He said some uh, competitor had come in and, and they were going to go with a school-wide um, contract and so I can't do your, your thing. I said, well, okay, well, glad that you're doing this other thing with me and, and you know, continue doing what I was doing. And I sat there and I heard the Holy Spirit say, fight. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And so I looked at the guy after a while and I said, um, did you tell him? that you were committed to me since last fall? Did you tell him that? And, and also, you know, what about this and what about that? And I gave him some other things. And he said, I, he says, I don't know. That's just what he told me. You know, I got to do what he's telling me. So I, I look up this athletic director's email. I emailed the athletic director immediately. I said, hey, you know, uh, I'm with this coach. He said that he couldn't do my program. He's been committed to me since last fall. I've been in the school for 20 plus years, helping your athletic teams. And uh, I'd ask for two things from you. Number one, will you please let this coach fulfill his commitment to me? Number two, may I also have an opportunity to bid for your business like this other company? Within four minutes, I get an email back saying, the contract has not been solidified. So yes, you can proceed with this coach. And yes, you can proceed with coming in and giving us a bid for the school-wide business. Now, had I just sat there and just said, oh, woe is me. You know, here's the devil stealing from me again. You know, and, and oh, just take another one. I'm a, yeah, um, uh. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> there, if you realize who's backing you. Let me read you a scripture. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You can't have a fight without confrontation. Confrontation is uncomfortable. I remember the first time that I pushed back on a bully that was pushing me. There was everything inside of me that was afraid to not do it. But I remember the guy. I remember we were, we were jumping over the roots of this tree. Roots that went sideways and it was kind of a downhill. And he'd run and try to jump over all the roots. And the guy came right up, pushed me on the ground. And he had been bullying everybody in the school. And I pushed back. I remember that first time. Well, all Satan is, is a big bully. He's got a lot of bark. It's a lion that roars. But, but guess what? When you, when you uh, study him spiritually, 
His teeth have been taken away. He had teeth, but they were taken away. And so all he can do is numb you to death. That's it. Gum you to, you gum you to death. But we got to fight. We have to fight for our children. We have to fight for our marriage, for our spouse. We have to fight for the, for the uh, money that is coming to us. Because we've sowed, we've tithed, we offered, we've given alms, we've given first fruits. We have to fight for these things. I remember one year we went to a place right before New Year's when we were praying. and Years ago, getting direction for our family. I heard clear as day the Lord say, this year for you, the theme for your family is know who the real enemy is. Because we were having some teenage drama at that time. There was some, you know, it wasn't always peaceful. But all we were trying to do as parents was no matter what the world's doing, the Bible says, dear son, this is how we are to live. Yeah, but we don't care what, that's their choice. That's their choice to live how they, yeah, but they're Christians. That's their choice. If they don't want to go with what the Bible says. But we're not the enemy here. Mom and dad are not the enemy. So we said, we're going to know who the real enemy is. So when you have a house that where there's no peace, where do you go to find rest? No wonder people don't sleep well. We have to fight in order to sleep well. We have to fight for our peace. Because there are certain things that will steal peace. When the storm kicks up outside the boat, and it looks like, you know, it's bad, we have to know what our weapons are. To know how to speak to the thing. And to not let it in the boat. To keep it outside of the boat so that the boat stays a boat of peace. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When we march into battle, we know that the victory has already been settled. We have this confidence that the Lord's on my side. There's an old song. If it had not been... For the Lord on my side. Tell me. Where would I be? That's only my first song of the night. I got plenty more. Yeah. Everything's a song. Zippity doo da, zippity 
God is on our side. Psalm chapter 47, verse 1. Turn to your neighbor while you're turning there and say, we need to fight like champions. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. See, when you understand this revelation, you understand who's on your side. You understand who's king over all the earth, who lives on the inside of you. Verse three, he will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. But notice before all that happens, there was a shout of the voice of triumph. There was a shout to God in advance of the voice of triumph. I don't know if you're battling anything right now in your life, but you can shout in advance because of the God that is over this earth. The God that's with you. The God that's on the inside of you. And you can conquer anything because he's with you. Walls came down because people shouted. We are destined to win. That's why we can fight with confidence. We are destined to win. That's why you can go into battle with confidence. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Always. Always means there's no exceptions. These are scriptures that we can stand on. Say this after me. Failure and defeat are not in my future. Failure and defeat are not in my future. Triumphing, overcoming, ruling, reigning are in my future. Now give the Lord a shout. The old phrase, doesn't matter if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. That is not work for us spiritually, folks. Jesus won. And it was a rout. He didn't just beat them, he beat them down. So it's important that we win. It's important that we fight. If, if winning wasn't important, tell that to the mom whose kid got diagnosed of an incurable disease, if winning's important or not. If winning's not important, tell that to the husband that wife just brought him divorce papers. Winning is important spiritually. When I got to college, 
out of high school. And we show up for preseason conditioning. I was pretty confident that I was in great shape. You know, I was a big fish in a little pond. So I had a big fish mentality going into college. Boy, was I humbled. Because the first thing that we had to do was run a mile in six minutes. Well, I haven't been practicing running miles. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm in shape, no big deal. It felt like I sprinted the whole time. It felt like I ran as hard as I could for the whole time to make it in five minutes and 58 seconds. All right, everybody on the line. We have an 880. That's two times around the track. We just got done with a mile. You have to make it in this time. Or you'll have makeup running later. Finish that. Everybody on the line? We have four 220s. And you have to make it in 30 seconds. Run as hard as you can. Everybody on the line? We've got 10 100s. And that was day one. And I went home that night and I thought, oh my goodness. What did I, what did I, (laughs) I was not trained and ready. I wasn't trained and ready. And it, cut, it somewhat caught me by surprise. And see, when we come to church and we gather together and hear the word, the word goes forth our hearts being the soil for the word to, to reap eternal life in our life, 30, 60, 100 fold the life that God has for us so that we're prepared for battle when we walk out of church. So it's an important time. It's like game film session where we're getting to know what we do well, but we're also understanding what the enemy does so that we can avoid the traps and the, and the, and the falls of, of the enemy. But Jesus said, in this world you'll have what? Tribulation. But he didn't end it there. What did he say? But be of good cheer. In this world, you'll have battles that you'll face. It's a fact. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. To, To say that the Christian life is all cookies and milk and roses would be a lie. 
Well, I don't, I don't really ever get attacked by the enemy. Uh, he, he pretty much leaves me alone. Well, I would question if you're doing anything. I would question if you're a threat to him. <laughs> I've heard people say, I just can't take anymore. Let me tell you something. You can take anything the devil can dish out. Don't say, I can't take anymore. Say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In fact, I, I feel him strengthening me right now because I'm, because I'm quoting his word. And I, and I, feel, I feel his presence on me right now as, I, as, I, as I'm speaking the word of God over my life. And he comes in and his presence is there to let you know he is with you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not over until you win. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. When you get to a place where you say you can't do it anymore, oh, that's just a great place to be because in our weaknesses, He is strong. And so I boast in my weakness because that's an opportunity to lean on him. (laughs) What I would tell you is if you're at that place in your life where you feel like you can't fight anymore, then you need to get in his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. That word fullness means abundantly satisfied. You get to a place where you feel like you're you're unhappy, nothing's going right, everything's going wrong around you, get in His presence because in His presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our it all goes together. Don't make me sing the song. Go to Joshua chapter 1. We'll begin to wrap up here. Just want to encourage you tonight. Are you encouraged yet? We can do this. We can do this. It's like Adrian when she woke up out of her coma from having the child and Rocky was at her bedside praying over her. I think he was praying in tongues. And she woke up. She says, I want you to do one thing for me. She said, come here, lean in, lean in. When? She said, when? And then you heard the music. Some of y'all need to be playing that theme song in your spirit. Because you can do this. Joshua chapter 1, are you there? Go back one chapter to Deuteronomy 
34, verse 8. Moses had died. Verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. I like that. I like that. I keep getting better looking the more the older I get. Thank you for your enthusiasm about that one. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So all they did before when Moses delivered them out was complain about him. Moses, that pastor, Pastor Moses. You know, takes us over here. Is he going well, we had it good back in Egypt, and then now he's now he's teaching us. You know, he's making us have to grow. He's taking a little bit of his own advice. Oh, Pastor Moses wants us to go to these small groups. I don't know why he keeps pushing the small groups. Now Pastor Moses is dead and they weep for 30 days. Too bad Moses couldn't be there to see that. Back over to Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, let's get to the point. God gets right to the point, doesn't he? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. See, God was still with them. He's saying, Moses is dead. Arise. In other words, enough of your belly aching. Enough of your sitting around and pouting. Enough. You can't live like this anymore. You got to get up. You may not like that, but you got to get up and fight. That's why you need a Christian brother and a Christian sister. That's why you go to small group. Because there's a Christian brother and a Christian sister that will get in the fight with you. Satan wants you to isolate yourself. He seeks whom he may devour. Who's that? The one that's isolated. And the, the sheep that's off by itself. I'm preaching to somebody right now. He says, arise. This word arise means to stir yourself up, to revive yourself, to begin to exercise your God-given authority, to become provoked. And lastly, to be fed up. When God promises you, when Jesus promises you life more abundantly, 
then you ought to be fed up if your life is not more abundantly like Jesus promised. Because that's for you. Stir yourself up. Become provoked. Get fed up. And lastly, to become hostile. This is what the word arise means. This is what God was saying to these people. Hey, stir yourself up. Quit your crying. Quit your gossiping. Quit your complaining. Get in line. This is the army of the most high God. Get in, get in line, soldier. Straighten your back. Stand at attention. That's what he was saying. Now I've given you a leader. The other leader's dead. I've given you a leader now. Now you follow this one. (laughs) That's what he was saying. That's what that word means. So when a nation becomes hostile, right after that is when war is declared. I wonder how many of us have not recognized or realized how much the enemy has stolen from us and done nothing about it. But when you get fed up, when you get provoked, I'm provoking you right now. God is. God is provoking you right now to to rise up. To rise up, saint. To rise up, child of God. Man of God, woman of God. To be who you're called to be. You are called to battle. You're called to fight. And you're destined to win. The victory's already ours. The victory's already ours. The victory's already ours. The victory. The victory's already ours. You're called to fight. Get fed up and it's time to declare war. It says in Joel chapter 3 verse 9, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Let them come up. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. That word, let them come up, means ascend from a low place to a high place. It's time we go high. It's time we go to the next level. When David said, went to God and he said, shall I pursue? He came back. They had taken everything, wives, kids, stuff. And he went to God and said, shall I pursue? God said, pursue and you will surely recover all. We have entered a season of recovery. We have entered a season of restoration. We have entered a season of restitution. The word restitution means pay back. God is, God is wanting to pay back the things that the devil has stolen. But he's not going to do it with you sitting there feeling sorry for yourself. You have to arise. You have to stir yourself up. You have to provoke yourself. You have to get fed up. 
And you have to be hostile toward the enemy who has stolen from you. He's stolen from you. He's stolen from your family. And make him pay. The Bible says catch a thief and make him pay seven times. That's the day we live in. Are you with me? Are you ready to declare war on the devil? Stand to your feet. Now we don't, we don't pray to the devil. (laughs) We speak to him and the Bible says he's under our feet. So when I start talking to him, because sometimes I talk to him for me and sometimes I talk to him for him, (laughs) but it says resist him and he will flee. In other words, God has set this up with your authority that he's given you that if you say devil flee, he got to go. He got to go. So say devil, point at him, point at him. Hey devil, you're under my feet. Jesus has given me authority over you. So in the name of Jesus, you no longer have authority in my home. You no longer have authority over my kids. You will no longer steal my peace. I plead the blood of Jesus over my house, over my family, over my car, over my church. I plead the blood. You're under my feet. You've been defeated. And you'll experience an eternity of defeat. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now give the Lord a good shout. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. victory. Shouts of victory. Shouts of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Declare war. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're not taking it anymore. We're not taking it anymore. It's been too long. It's been too long. We've accepted these things. We don't have to accept it anymore. No more. No more. You go home tonight, 
You walk in your house. You loose the presence of God that's on the inside of you, in your house. You pray over your house. You pray peace over that place. No longer are you going to experience sleepless nights. No, 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 no. He gives his beloved rest. So when you start experiencing sleeplessness, get up and start walking the floor, praying in tongues. You'll, you'll want to go to sleep pretty quick. Plead the blood over your house. Loose the blessing over your property. There's a bloodline over my property. I loose the blessing right now. The blood of Jesus lines my property. No evil comes near. Nikki and I, Nikki and I prayed off our property, scorpions and snakes. I prayed in a hawk. I'm not kidding. I prayed in a hawk. I saw him show up one day nesting in the tree. One day, I've got a picture of on my cell phone. I wish I could show it. One day, I was on the front porch looking down. The hawk was on the, on the ground with his wings spread out over something. Why? I don't like scorpions. I don't like snakes. They're representative of demons. That's how the Bible defers, refers to, to demons as serpents. Scorpions and snakes. So I've, we prayed them off, didn't we? I haven't seen a scorpion in a long time. I mean, they used to be like, you wake up in the morning, you better have shoes on when you're going to get coffee. I'm just saying, that may sound so silly to you, but that's the kind of authority that we have. Raise your level of expectation. Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. We're going higher, man. We're going higher. I got one more scripture. <laughs> I wish I had marked it. Here it is. Psalm 68. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Verse 3. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. See, I don't, I don't just rejoice when God do, does something for me. I rejoice because of who I am in Him. I rejoice because of who He is in me. Sing to God, verse 4. Sing praises to His name. Sing praises. To his name. Sing praises. Why is that so important? Because he inhabits the praises.
<laughs> Extol him. This is my favorite part. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah. <laughs> I like that. And rejoice before him. He rides on the clouds. He rides. He rides on the clouds. I could just see him from his viewpoint saying, <laughs> a deep belly laugh. <laughs> It says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Why? Because at the end of time, he's going to give the devil a good thump. And we're going to be there. And I'd like to put, I've got some boots I'd wear probably for that day. And I'd like to be a part of boot and helmet right in the lake of fire. Oh, don't feel sorry for him. He's been stealing from you. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, right now for an infusion of faith, for an infusion of strength. Strengthen your people, oh God. Strengthen them right now in Jesus' name. May your joy come over them. May your presence fill them.